Our scripture this morning as we continue our Faith in Action series is from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly except the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Thank you, Cindy. I'm having one of those days that I realize my wardrobe is pretty one, one way. Uh, a lot of people, you're wearing blue and not plaid. Uh, apparently, that's my preaching outfit <laughs> that I constantly go to. Christmas gift for the win uh, I'm now wearing. I'm excited to go uh, continue to go through with you uh, this series that we're in, Faith in Action, as we continue to look through the book of James. Uh, and today, the question that we're really uh, tackling, what I believe is kind of brought out here in the text is, what does it look like for us to be changed by the grace of God? So what James has been talking about here in the first chapter, what he's, what he's been asking is, uh, are we growing? Are we maturing? If you look back at verse 4, are we becoming more whole and complete? Uh, here in our text today, he's asking the question, what, uh, does what we believe truly shape how we live? Um, because you'll probably have noticed, uh, he's giving some warnings here in the scripture that, that was just read. Warnings against specifically hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy, probably, you know, the warning of hypocrisy shouldn't be too much of a shocker because, well, we talk about it regularly here at Current. It's very near and dear and central to our vision. There, the place where we live, uh, one of the top reasons, if not the most top reason that people regularly give for wanting less and less to do with the church or the Christian faith is hypocrisy. Now, think about it. James here is tackling hypocrisy 2,000 years ago. He's warning against it. He's saying things like, like, for instance, a couple of times here in the text, don't deceive yourselves. Uh, he, sa- he says at one point, uh, you know, watch out that your religion isn't, doesn't become worthless. Uh, rather, seek a religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. He's saying watch out for hypocrisy. Uh, the Bible has very little, uh, very little to no tolerance for hypocrisy. Uh, James here says it. Jesus all the time said it. He said, be on the watch for hypocrisy. All of chapter 23 of the Gospel of Matthew's account, chapter 23 is just him laying into the hypocrites, the Pharisees, him saying, you guys, you need to watch out and don't fall into hypocrisy. You've probably heard the statement, the church is full of hypocrites. Imagine you've heard that. But here's an apt response to that. When someone says the church is full of uh, hypocrites, you can say, no, it's not. There's always room for one more, uh, which is really the idea because hypocrisy, when it, at, at, at the end of the day, is not just a Christian problem, it's a human problem. Um, and, 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 and the fact of the matter is, uh, hypocrisy in the church 
is not reason to disregard the Bible. If anything, it's reason to lean into and listen to the Bible because it describes the very reason for why we have a tendency towards hypocrisy in the first place and what we can do to get out of it. Uh, all of this text is, is trying to help us close the gap. I believe through this text, God wants to help us close the gap between what we profess to believe and what it is, how it is we actually live out our faith. Uh, I believe God wants to, to close that gap, or to put differently, James here shows us what authentic faith looks like. And I think as we're going through this faith in action series, here's the one that just gets central to what, what we're looking at here as we continue to move forward. What is this authentic faith? How do we close the gap between what we profess to believe and how we actually live? Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Father, from the very earliest of days here at Current, uh, we've, just, we've, we've always wanted to be a church that it doesn't just go through the motions, that doesn't just quote-unquote play church, but we've, we, we always have and continue to long for you to change us. Lord, we want you to, 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 to take hold of us from the inside out and change us, that we might have greater impact for your kingdom in this place that you've called us to, and that we also might change and become more into the, become more into the likeness of your Son. Um, so, Lord, help us in this today as we look at this text. Would you give us your spirit, me your spirit, as I, as I try to teach these things. Uh, we commit this time into, to, into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so how do, we, how do we close this gap between what we profess and how we live? First, James says, we need to adopt a, a listening posture. I would see that here in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And he goes on. He's saying here, if you listen well, you will speak well. Uh, but you and I, we have to pause and stop and listen. Then we'll be able to better speak into and help others. This is a sign that we're actually growing, that we're quick to listen, that we, we practice this so much that it becomes second nature. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm, I don't, I'm not really the talkative type. Uh, maybe I'm not all that extroverted. Um, I, I don't really, I'm not quick to speak because I don't speak all that much, but you're not off the hook because that's not what James is talking about. What James is talking about here is we need to be listening. We need to learn to practice active listening, to actually be listening, to put ourselves in, the, in other people's shoes when they're sharing with us, to absorb their burdens, to take to heart their needs. And I think we can all recognize that this type of listening is really hard. It's, it's, it's a really hard thing to do. Uh, maybe you've, you've heard someone said to you at some point, uh, yeah, you heard me, but you weren't listening. Anyone say that to you? Just me? Okay. Uh, my, my kids are starting to call me out on that. Uh, they're at the ages where they're calling me out on this. We'll be, we'll be uh, in the living room hanging out after a long day, and I'll be preoccupied with any number of things I'm thinking about, either with the church or, or whatever. I'm just sitting there, I'm thinking about things, and they're talking. Um, and I say this in love, but you, you know that, the, you, you remember watching uh, Charlie Brown and you know how the adults are talking like, wah, 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 you know, just like, I love my kids. I don't mean this in, the, in a bad sense, but that's how they can sometimes listen to me. Like they're talking and I'm just like that. And at some point they'll call me out, dad, you're not listening. I'm like, sure, I'm listening. I'll say absentmindedly because I'm, I'm picking up here and there. No, you're not listening. If you're listening, my kids now will say, tell us what you, what we were just saying. And I'll be like, <laughs> and I'll be like, you, uh, yeah, you wanted that thing. Dad, you're not listening. I'm like, okay. Or with Cindy, you know, how many times, how many times will she say, do, do we talk about this? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, oh. And I, and I hadn't let it sunk into my heart, right? I hadn't really let it uh, take, take hold. Um, 
James, what James is describing here is really hard. It takes practice. What he's saying essentially underneath this is in our communication, in our relationships, if we're affected by the grace of God, if we believe what we profess, we will become others focused in our communications. That's really what he's saying. It's listening and caring for the other, even, even ahead of ourselves in that uh, relationship. In the church, we need to stop and listen, stop and take it in. Now, on the other hand, if you're quick to speak and not quick to listen, you'll be quick to make a point but not make much of a difference. It's like the great 21st century lyricist, Justin Bieber. <laughs> he said, you're trying to make a point, but you keep preaching. You know, it's like this whole idea of we're saying something, we're trying to make a point, but it's not really helping all that much. Um, this is relationship, relationship Counseling 101. Uh, we're taught that when it comes to communication and especially conflict resolution, the best thing we can do for the significant other or the person, you know, the person that we're in relationship, with, friend, whatever it might be, if there's a disagreement especially, is just to take heart what they're saying, to listen in and to, and to not be quick to speak, but to take it and, and just hear what they're saying. And if they're saying things like, you know, you're not agreeing fully with the data that they're presenting, the facts that they're presenting, or the, the slight blame that they might be inserting in there, our goal is to listen to what is actually being said, what's happening, what's being said behind it all. That's what James is talking about here, is putting the other first, being quick to listen, slow to speak. This is what will happen when we are changed by the grace of God. You will become increasingly quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, the next step, and it seems like there's a progression here, is it says we will also become uh, uh, slower to become angry. Uh, there, there seems to be a connection here, this progression in verse 19 through 20. Everyone should be quick to listen, he says, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's something here about listening well that will help us in our anger. Uh, any of you guys get the classic uh, advice when you were a little kid? Uh, to when you're really upset to count to 10 first, you know, just kind of like stop and just, some of us adults would do, do well to stop and count to 10. Just one, two, you know, that whole deal. I think that's kind of what James is talking about here is if we're really worked up, just pause, take it, take it in. Again, here's another, you know, counselors will share this too, the wisdom that's here, is often it's actually good if there's real rising conflict and it's real raw, it's okay, even good at times to take a pause, take a time out, to just say, you know what, I'm really worked up right now. I don't want to say something I'm regret or I'm going to do or whatever. I just, I just need, a, I need a time out. And in that time out that you self-imposed, you just kind of work and try to figure out what's going on. Think about the anger. Work on it so that you can come back and have a healthy dialogue. Here's a way of thinking, here's a way of thinking about it. Uh, how many of you, maybe even this week, have solved problems via your anger, Right? I mean, some of you are like, yeah, in the workplace, I solved some problems. I fired my problems, okay? I just went, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Go back to the listen part and all that. No, actually, I don't know where I'm getting into this, but there's actually a CEO right now in the news this last week, who I won't name, who's actually in the hot seat because he's just firing people on the spot. And everybody, the article I was reading is like, that's not wise. Don't do it for any number of reasons. Some of which goes back to this, this, these thoughts. Um, no, uh, how, how many of you have solved relationship problems or, let's put it positively, have brought health and healing into a relationship, a friendship, through your anger? Answer that is probably not often, if at all. Um, I just think about in this age of online rants and criticism, oh my goodness, how much life 
and beauty would enter into this world if we took these simple words to heart here. Be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Uh, This is what James is saying. If we really profess what we believe, this will be stirring in with us. We'll be increasingly moving in this direction. So remember, you might not Uh, You might have something to learn in every conversation. And remember, don't just assume you already have all of the details, but listen, be quick, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Uh, So we need to adopt a listening posture, other-centeredness in our communication. And then number two, James says, to kind of close this gap, to to have faith and action, close this gap between what we profess and what we believe, we need to cultivate a receptive heart. Verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil. You gotta love James and his language. You got to get, get revolved moral filth and evil uh, that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Uh, this builds on what he was talking about last week. It's online if you, wanna, if you uh, want the context for it or, you just interest, or this piques your interest a little bit more. But he's building off what he said, mainly saying that of all the dangers that exist in the world, we often tend to think of the dangers as external things that are like going to come upon us and, and attack us. But if you were here these last few weeks, he says we can actually consider it pure joy when we face trials. By the way, this is being written by somebody who would in a few years' time from writing this letter be martyred for his faith with such peace and poise. Uh, this guy can, can speak into that. So what he's been saying is our, the danger that's out there is not external, but actually the dangers that, that, that come upon us are actually internal. They're within us. Uh, this is what the Bible calls sin. That is, the actions that we do that reject God and, turn, that, and, 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 and when we turn away from him. Anything that goes in that sort of direction is sin. James calls it moral filth. He's talking about what happens to us on the inside. He's, he's, he's kind of bringing to mind the image of a stained garment. So he's saying, therefore, remove it. Cast it off. Radically deal with your sin, he's saying. And James doesn't just tell us to do this, but how to do this. Um, uh, let, me, let me phrase it in the question from what we've been reading. Are you hearing the word? Are you hearing the word? James, of course, is talking about the scripture when he's talking about the word, talking about the Bible. He says our lives are, to, uh, are brought to life when we follow the word. It's like a plant, he says. It's planted inside. If we, we need to feed it, and it nourishes us, growing to life. This is the word that he says, the very end of, of this the text that I just read, that saves us, even as it also shapes us. So, for instance, for the person who hasn't yet received Jesus, and maybe this is you, you're here today, and Jesus and all his teachings aren't really personal to you. They've never, they've never become something, that, 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 something that's personal to you. How are you saved? The Bible talks about it, and it talks about it right here. We receive the word of truth. We humbly accept, is how James says it. We receive, which is a, a powerful thought and very, very instructive. Receiving is how the power of God enters into our lives. Um, in other words, it's not about our giving to God, but it's about our receiving what God has already given to us in the good news of Jesus Christ. But what about for those who have received Jesus? Uh, and this has become personal. He, James is saying we must continue in it. Like a, like a plant, it needs to grow within us. And we need to go to God's word. Never think it's unimportant, but rather it's the means for which we grow, and we mature, and we are shaped. So second question that follows from that, are you welcoming the word? James is saying when there's a problem with what we profess to how we believe, uh, uh, what we profess to believe and how we uh, live that out, it's often because our hearts are not that receptive. 
For example, we hear the truth, we recognize the truth, but nothing changes. Um, why not? What's wrong? Well, we're not doing it. Uh, what James is describing is the person who wakes up in the morning, say as an example, God, whatever you want to do in my life today, whatever you, want, whatever you have for me, I, I want to receive that. Or it's the person who comes into our gatherings here today with the heart in prayer, God, I don't know what you're going to have here for me today, but I want, I want to try to receive it. Have you ever said that? Have you asked that? Have you, have you prayed that prayer? I would encourage us to adopt that receptive heart even now in this moment. You may say, God, there's some things that are, actually, that are really hard for me to receive or to, to see your way. But either way, I want to welcome all that you have for me. But as I ask that question, I have to ask another question. Why isn't it my heart is always receptive? Uh, you know, as I'm preparing for a message, you know, I'm asking this question, okay, we've got to receive. But why is it that we don't always have a receptive heart? It seems to me the answer to that question is more often than not fear. We often fear that if we open our heart to God, he's going to either ask us to do something that, boy, we really want, don't want to keep, do, we don't want to do, or he asks us to stop doing something that we, we would actually just want to keep doing. In the event of the thing that he asks us to do something that we're scared that he might ask us to do, it's like, oh no, is he going to ask me like change careers or something? Like if I open my heart to him, am I going to have to change jobs? If I open my heart to him, is he going to, is he going to uh, uh, say that I need to stop behaving the way I am in the workplace? If I were open my heart to him, God might ask me to be generous with my money, heaven forbid, or he might ask me to love and care for someone that ooh, really doesn't deserve it, uh, and you name it. Let's be real, and I, I put myself in this. A lot of us have this fear of welcoming God into our lives, welcoming his word to speak into our lives, because it, would me it means giving up control, and we, we like control. I like control. Um, and so we say, I need this control, Therefore, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to open up my heart, uh, my heart to God to receive from him. But what James is saying to the, to the person who professes the following uh, uh, Jesus, he's saying that actually is pride. And that's why he says we have to humbly accept the word. Um, pride is rooted in the thought that we know best. But if you look back, even at the text we just looked at this last week, he says, uh, boy, I didn't put this in my notes. Where is it? Uh, God is the one, every good and perfect gift, verse 17, is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. If he really is the one who knows us, loves us, cares for us, has his best for us, uh, James is saying we would receive and we would humbly accept what he has. Like a meal that feeds, a feeds and nourishes a famished soul, James is saying we need to receive, humbly accept, the word. We need to cultivate a heart of receptivity. Uh, we need to receive his word and continue in it. Um, but it doesn't stop there. If the truth of the scripture is to be effective in his lives, number three, he said, he said it's got to be acted upon. We can't just hear it. We have to do something about it. He's saying if you want to know the truth of, uh, and goodness of God, you need to live it out in your life. Uh, there's this very famous uh, statue in Columbia City of a, of a dude who's very altruistic with his life. 
uh, just was, uh, lived a life of just caring for the poor, the needy, the, the marginalized. But what's really interesting about this statue is it's not cast with him like, you know, giving handouts, like here I'm disp- dispensing gifts, that, that sort of thing. It's cast with him, you know, stooping down with his hand to his ear, listening in a posture of just, just taking it in. And you have to recognize that the reason they did it this way is because they knew the way he was able to meet these needs is because he was first hearing. He was first receiving and giving from what he understood. Uh, James is saying that true listening must result in action, that the whole of our lives ought to reflect the message that we believe. Uh, in fact, the very evidence that, we're rec- that we've received Jesus is that we begin to live like him. True religion or authentic faith is that we bring our lives into service of God. Here's how he says it. Do not merely listen to the word, verse 22, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Uh, James is trying to keep us from self-deception. He's saying that we need to accept the word of truth, and, and in doing that, it means we have to act upon it. And he's saying here that this is the, one of the easiest ways, if not the easiest way, that Christians can deceive themselves, to think that they're growing in the faith but are actually not. And so to press this thought home, to drive it home, he talks about this illustration of the mirror. Any of you guys try to get ready in the dark in front of a mirror? doesn't tend to go too well for me. I mean, sometimes I'm getting up early and I'm, I'm just, that's my deal. Um, one of my biggest fears when I'm getting ready is that I'll miss like a little patch of David shave. You know, I'll just miss, because I've done that before and it was the worst place. It's like right here. So I had a half Hitler look going. It was really bad. And it was that day, at the end of the day, I was like, all right, who are my friends who saw me today? And did, no, 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 I'm not doing that. But it's just like, I, so what, what, do, what do mirrors do? They reveal things to us, right? If I see that, you know, little, little guy, uh, after looking in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, no, that's horrible, and then, okay, I'm with my day, and I don't, I don't like, actually shave. Um, what, what's the point? Uh, and James is saying the value of the mirror is we can see what needs to change. When we read the Bible, when we read the Word, we find it to be like a mirror. We see where we're maybe off the path a little bit, where things are maybe a little out of order, um, but he's saying if we look into it and we just forget what we, what we have seen, what, what's the point? We're just deceiving ourselves. Um, don't be deceived, James is saying. What, what's more is he's saying we're actually missing out when we don't live out God's word. That's what he's saying here in verse 25. When we actually live it out, we hear it and we put it into practice, we will be blessed. You imagine if you went to a restaurant, one of those really nice restaurants, and the waiter or waitress came to you and they're like, reading to you or reciting to you. Does anyone ever order those things that they talk to you about, the soup of the day and, you know, and here's the meal of the day and like this, the, the, the sauce that comes out? It's just making me salivate even though I know I'm ordering this. You know, you just kind of hear it all. But you like, imagine you're there, you're hearing all that and you're just like, wow, this is going to be really great. And then, you, you know, you're reading the menu and you're like, okay, and it comes time to order and you go, all right, let's go. We're out of here. You know, everybody's like, wow, wait, we just, we're ready to eat. We got we to gotta eat. We got we to gotta be nourished. And James is saying, it seems to me kind of like that. When we live out God's word, it is time for us to, to, to grow, to be blessed, uh, to reap the goodness that he has for us in it. Uh, we will begin to learn as we live it out that it's the perfect law that sets you free. The perfect law that sets you free. It brings freedom. Really? Yes. 
I remember being convicted by, uh, in a relationship that uh, I was going to wait for a dude who had wronged me to come talk to me, okay? That was kind of the situation. We'll do that, right? Like, when they come to me, I'll talk to them, maybe, but I'm not going to them. But I was feeling really convicted about this because there's this one place, by the way, in God's word where Jesus is saying, if your brother or sister has something against you, go to them. Did you catch that? Not if you have something against them, go to them. That's good too. You need to do that. If they have something against you, you go to them. I was like, oh, man, I was just feeling convicted about that. Um, And so classic David form. It took me a couple of weeks to kind of work myself up to like, okay, I need to go have this conversation, which was a bit of a bummer because that text actually says go immediately. Um, but so I was just sitting there. I'm just like, okay, but I feel convicted. I need to go. Now's immediate, so I'm going to go. Um, boy, when I went, all of a sudden there was all this freedom. I, I experienced so much freedom. My buddy, good buddy now experience wasn't so much a buddy at that point. You know, I started experiencing freedom all because uh, just stepping into saying, okay, I'm not going to just listen to the word, but hear the word. It, the conversation was hard. It was at points awkward. But in the end, it brought wholeness. It brought blessing. It brought freedom. Um, uh, this is what James wants to give us, that we, that we would step into this and we would experience that. Friends, what is it in your life that you're, you're just putting off? Maybe you've read it. Maybe you know it. But like looking in a mirror, you've moved on from it. You've forgotten all about it. Um, We are not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And then finally, we need to go where the word takes us. Uh, Verses 26 and 27. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And the religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, This is very sobering words, right? These words, uh, he's saying worthless religion. He's saying it's an empty showing to say we have all these grand words but with no follow-up. And one of the case studies here, the big test, he says, is your mouth. The things that you and I say, James is saying, if, you, if, if we don't allow God to influence what we say, are we really changed by him? Uh, but then he goes on here, of course, and he shows us two things that really serve as evidence that show if we're growing, if we're becoming mature, if we're living the life that we profess to believe. James gives two things that really are often actually pitted against each other, um, often, often separated. Um, and so let me try to describe it this way. So often there'll be, uh, there'll be churches that the focus of every sermon, the focus of every kind of like, you know, message is personal purity. Um, but when it comes to social responsibility, that, that is helping the needy, caring for the poor, uh, as, as James says, the widow, the orphans, you know, whatever. But what you really need to focus on is personal purity. Um, but then on the other hand, there are other churches that they'll say, it doesn't really matter how you live, who you're sleeping with, how you're, you're using your money, but what you really need to do is care for the poor. And oftentimes, these things are presented as separate, opposite things. But you'll see what James is doing here. He's saying that these things, if we are changed by the whole counsel of God, will both begin to change in our lives. Personal purity and social responsibility. It's one of the evidences of our faith faith that we will visit the poor, the hurting. Now, why do I keep saying the poor and hurting when James says the widow and the orphan specifically? Because those are representative of what he's talking about. Now, we need to visit the widows and, 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 and the orphans, but so much of the Bible, so much of the Old Testament, of course, Jesus. I mean, that's just 
obvious. So much of the Bible is about caring for the poor, caring for the marginalized. And I think often what we can do, even just incidentally, is kind of make it this idea that to take care of them, to look after them, you're, you're kind of like becoming a power user in the Christian faith. You know, it's like you, you want to like upgrade your Christianity, start taking care of the poor. James is saying it's not a power user who does this. It's just your basic, authentic Christian faith. One who cares for the poor, looks after them, which means spends time with them, loves them, cares for them as best they can, enters into them in the relationship. But on the other hand, he's also saying that our, our concern should also be for our own character and for our own personal purity. Uh, but these things are often pitted against each other. James is saying both are an outward working of our faith, and we need to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. Again, another James thought there. To keep ourselves unstained, to deal with our sin even in radical ways. The ways in which we're going away from God, the lies, the deception, the sexual immorality, the greed, whatever it is that, ha- that is happening inside in the heart that God wants to remove, we need to listen to him. We need to listen to him. So on both accounts then, you and I know if we're being changed by the grace of God, if we are being transformed in these ways, if these, if these two ways are coming into place as we live, as we humbly accept God's word and we live it out, James is saying we will discover blessing. We will discover joy. I love how Frederick Buechner uh, summarizes this beautifully. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Uh, deep gladness, joy, uh, blessing, as James says, how can that be? It's because all of this flows from the goodness and the character of God himself. This is who God is. He wants us to be whole. That word often is, he wants us to be holy. Why? Because he wants to bring wholeness to us from the inside out. And then he also doesn't want us just to keep our faith to ourselves. He wants us to be his hands and feet, caring for those who have a harder time in this world, caring for themselves. And for those who, uh, of us who are more privileged to look after them, care for them, meet them, expend resources on their behalf. Why? Because that is what God has done for us. That is the gospel. That is what all of this word is about, that God came to love us in that way. When it says, I love this, when James is saying humbly accept the word of God, do you know what the whole word of God is pointing to? If you've been around current, you know for any length of time, the whole word ultimately is pointing to the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen him and he came full of grace and truth. This is about Jesus. And what Jesus is, is here to make us holy, but to also use us as his hands and feet, even as he makes us that way. I love the song that we just sang uh, right before, uh, you know, this message actually. It gives both ends of the gospel. You remember this lyric that we just sang? Uh, our sin runs, uh, our sin is great, but his love is greater. I love that thought. And that's captured here in this word. The gospel is we are more sinful than we ever dared imagine. That's what the word will point out to us. It will point out to us as we look at it. There are, there are far more blemishes when we look into the mirror than we care to realize or admit. I have lots of blemishes. Um, but at the same time, we are more loved than we ever dared hope which means that, yes, God sees those blemishes, but that's why he came to die for those things, to make us pure, to make us holy. And when we receive that, humbly receive that, and live out from that, starting with his forgiveness, uh, we will be blessed as we take his word and we take it out to others. This is all about Jesus. 
This is what he calls us to. And so it follows that we should live it out. We should have faith in action. As I prayed earlier, we want to be a church that doesn't just say, hey, we just show to church and go through the motions, start a new church, play church. No, we want to be deeply impacted and changed by God from the inside out. And this is how it happens. We profess what we believe, and that changes us to live out the way that we're called to live. So by all means, if God is saying something to you here and now that you can uh, take to him, that you can bring before him, that you can, you can uh, uh, shift a way you think or the way that you're living, um, take that to him. Give that to him. Live that out as best you can. And when you don't, receive the forgiveness that he gives and receive the help that he gives to help you uh, move in that direction. Because the reality is our lives speak. Our lives speak. Our lives speak to others. Our lives speak to our own selves. And our lives speak to the one who created us, made us, died for us, and calls us to live the life of joy he's made us into. So let's decide today to our last day to humbly accept his word and to put faith into action. Let's pray.